edition. Here's what else you do. You stack lefties near the top against Brian Wu and um, survive an early inning of, uh, of runs and hits by Seattle and then just proceed to barrel baseballs. And Byron Buxton may not play once every maybe seven days after uh, that. Who knows what's going on? But a nice win for the Minnesota Twins last night. Got a busy show. Uh, but, guys, that was a nice that, – that, I think anybody that was listening to the Twins last night or, or viewing it thought, okay, if that's the team, ah, uh, okay, we can play with this club right here. Well, yeah, but you said the name. That wasn't in the lineup, but in the middle of the lineup, but kind of helps. I mean, you just – I said before we got on the air here, I mean, he, if he's not healthy enough to play in center field, he has to go on the injury list. Yeah. That's, that's, that's all there is to yeah. it. You, you can't. You got to shut him down. You, you can't. You, can, you got to put him on the shelf. I'm sorry. He's got to figure it out in St. Paul or whatever on a rehab assignment, whatever. But he is not good enough to be the DH. Eddie Julian looks like the most comfortable hitter right. in a batter's box mm-hmm. I've ever seen. Yeah, so there you go. Right. I mean, this is not (laughs) – if Polanco comes back and then Royce Lewis comes back, you can't have number 25 out there swinging from his heels and striking out. If he's not healthy enough to play center field, he got to go on some sort of – Shut uh, him down. Shut him down. wrist seems to be okay, by the way. Boy, he just – I love that swing. I mean, he's just got a beautiful swing. And Dick Bramer on Sunday was just kind of, you know, his hips are open. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he's still got the – Plate coverage to take the ball with power yeah. to the opposite field. The one he took out, the one yesterday was it was a tough pitch, mm-hmm. right. man alive. That was just sitting, sinking off on away. Normally, you know, if you try to pull that, you you probably weakly ground out to second. Even if you go with it, to go with it with some kind of juice, right? That uh, that's impressive to me. They they looked good yesterday. They, that that's like, probably that's the best all around game they yeah. played in. I don't know how long. It's been and, a while. That, what, that wasn't against the Royals or right. Oakland. And Bailey, I'm thinking, wait a minute here. He's getting touched around. This game's going to be it, like the night was. You. Here's a little stat, and then we'll get to the news of the day and obviously some sad news. Yes. Uh, from a, and Certainly not going to, without a word or two about John today. But um, yesterday, uh, Major League Baseball had a night that has not been seen in 129 years with 12 teams scoring double-digit runs, three games ended 11 to 10 on the same day for the first time ever. Baseball's been around a while. That's an interesting stat. Yeah, uh, first time ever. Um, 12 teams tied May 30th, 1884. Remember that one, Brad? Remember May 30th, 1884? Well, Derek, what were you uh, doing well uh, before my time? Yeah, uh, 1884. Boy, wait, well, 1884. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I remember 1984. Yeah, we, we don't had. Uh, yeah, we didn't really have a lot of. Uh, we didn't have all of our states yet. Not quite. No, yeah, we weren't voting yet either. So the, the one, the one we stand in now was just a territory full of right, uh, right. Uh, tell you when Elias starts digging up numbers, boy, do they they get a shovel out? <laughs> My they, heavens, they start digging them out. Uh, the Cubs, as you may have heard, routed uh, Washington seventeen three. Arizona outlasted Atlanta sixteen thirteen last night. San Fran beat Cincinnati. The Mets beat the White Sox, and KC has Detroit all by eleven to ten. Now, four games in which both teams scored double digit matched the record of July fourth, eighteen ninety four. But yeah, and then I went. And the story goes and in a rare and a more mundane ten three routes. Dodgers beat Baltimore Orioles in Minnesota defeated. So that was uh, that was an offensive uh, juggernaut. Uh, so I guess it makes sense. The, Arizona uh, sixteen, Atlanta thirteen. Right. So I mentioned the, a lot of football uh, scores. Time of game though. 
305. Wow, that's amazing. Not bad. Bet you it's seen 505. (laughs) (laughs) The first uh, inning and a half or two innings last night of the Twins game, I thought we were headed for three and a half, but it ended up, I think, 302. Uh, If you can explain to me, we've talked about replay a lot on this show, Jack. Oh, Derek and I last night were texting (laughs) fools. Derek and I I just had the same thought. I just like, I, I don't get it. Because hey, we're all sitting there, and, and I'm like, okay, yeah. why is this taking so long? I this just, is pretty cut and dry. I had just opened up a can of the, the Bush Beans original, like the, and I just warmed you, up. Did you eat them straight out of the can? Or? I, no. I eat them. <laughs> okay, good. I, yeah. Me and my cowboy brothers <laughs> opened up a campfire, and you're right. I'm sorry. I missed that part. Yeah, I heated them up. I'm sorry. After, okay, after I, I opened I eat them. I don't, know how you, I don't know how they eat them in Williston, but <laughs> I just want to make sure. <laughs> a lot right. of people eat them right out of the can. <laughs> There's no doubt. <laughs> I'm always envious of that. I watched Young Guns 2 the other night. I'm thinking, yeah. is, is Emilio Estevez eating just beans out of a can right there at that plate? So I did that, and as I sit down on the corner of my eye, and I'm kind of, I see it was Correa, right? Yes. And, and I corner my eye, I see this play at first, and I'm, I'm, I look at, oh, oh, nice. He didn't tag him. And then I see an out. I'm like, oh. And then I'm kind of like, okay, well, maybe he did, and I'm going to replay. <laughs> then the replay, the re- I finished my plate of beans, almost the entire little can. And they still haven't come back with a ruling on this. And then they come back with a ruling, and then they make the statement, and they say, out. Immediately I hear, my phone text, and it's Derek. Are you kidding me? Because I figured, you know, Jack's up at that point. I was the worst call. So I didn't know, so I didn't want to add you to the group. No, I was. No, I actually stayed for the whole game last night. How does uh, what what angle told you that it's inconclusive and that right, it has to stand? Because right, right. it was, I mean, if you're going to overturn, that's about as obvious as one I've yeah, ever and seen. And then they show it again, and it's like not even close. I texted <laughs> Brad, we should have jumped Brad on this because I text back. I think I text Derek, God forbid. Uh, I'm on trial, and that the same people that do the replay or in the yeah. jury. <laughs> That have the fate of like the next ten years of your right, life in the right, balance, because right. that was you don't know we went on, but uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a horrific. Why? Well, to just, your point, why do we have it if we're not going to use it correctly? Well, on obvious ones like that, because I've seen calls that have yeah. overturned that are much more inconclusive. That's what bothers me do, about do, the replay. Don't you, many don't times. you just sit? Do, it, I know it's not going to cost you sleep, and life is going to go on, and there are more important things. But don't you at that moment go, who in their right mind just looked at that video in New York? Unless they don't have like any other video and they're just throwing things in the air, you know. And well, the nope. NFL has always bothered me because I really felt that stuff that could be ruled inconclusive they've overturned many times. I mean, I would go back to the Des Bryant thing against the Packers. Yep, yep. I go back to Vasante Shanko against the Packers in 2010, oh, yeah, where if he bad. catches that, Packers may not go to the playoffs, let alone win the darn Super right. Bowl. And I'm just going down the line here because I. I so many times in football, you see close plays get overturned, and I've never understood that. I, I, I and and now in baseball, it, it's almost like the first run of replay where they didn't want to overturn anything in the mid '80s. Yeah. Remember mm-hmm. that? They, right. So they just scrapped it because everything was inconclusive, yeah, even right. though it was. We can't tell, but we can tell. Because yeah, more or less, because the instant replay official didn't want to overturn his buddies on the field. That's right. Yeah. And now we're doing this? I, 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 that, that's exactly what it's, it seems like it, it, here. That was insane of just wrong. I mean, it's just wrong. It, it's just not right. It's, it's just how do you get that wrong? But again, I say it, it all fun and games till these start costing, you know, bigger games, you know, until this, this is uh, – Well, yeah, if that happens in October, yeah. 
Oh my to the goodness. Yankees or Could the you Rays. Or, you know, there, was, there was a play Monday. I don't know if you guys remember. I think Julian was running down the line, and there was a throw. It was kind of wide. First mm-hmm. baseman reaching to the outfield side of the bag and caught it. And I thought, there's no way he stayed on the bag. And Rocco didn't challenge it. It was it was oh. it would have been the third out of an inning, and it, it yes. And there was there was two out, and they, a run would have scored. And they and I thought. And the way the game ended up, they come yes. back and lose by one. Like, why would you not challenge that? Right. Yes. Yeah. And then Rocco just kind of went on his, his like, nope, thing. Nope, we're, nope, we're um, yeah. So they, we'll get into that. I won't, don't. I'm glad you didn't bring up the 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 strike zone yesterday, Derek, because that that <laughs> well, it was a moving too. one. <clears throat> you know? It definitely was floating. There were carnival games at the Clay County Fair that would have been it, more easy to figure <laughs> out. To... It was. It was, <laughs> it was floating. They were, they were calling the high strike yeah, at the yeah, Clay County exactly. Fair. Here's your fishing rod. See if you can pick a duck up in the water. I mean, with a magnet. That is the worst, though, right? And both teams, I thought, had gripes at times. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, equally... that's when you know it's bad. Is like you don't if you don't know where it is. If you have a consistent low strike, fine. Right. Then you know how to adjust. But if it's moving around and one time it's a strike and the next time it's not, that's when I just go. And, and I wonder if Blue if Blue knew that that he was having a tougher day, a little inconsistent behind Vasquez at the end is kind of. Tapped him a little bit. I'm wondering, I throw the course of the game. What, you okay? I'm always wondering through the course of the game if he comes and says, man, I, that's on me. My bad. Yeah, I probably had that. I don't know. Some guy, some ups are a little more, won't have any of that, as you know. Others are mad. Right. There's one of the American Association that's really good about that. Veteran guy, calls a good zone. You can tell. It's just all open, you know. And uh, and we'll just be forward about that. And say that's that's I my bad. One. I missed that one. That's yep. my bad. Now, of course, if that's happening every other pitch, <laughs> then, then yeah. you probably got right. uh, some issues. You're going Phil Cuzzy on it. Yeah, that's you right. Have a problem. Right. Uh, full show today. Bill Chase joining us next half hour. I don't know if you guys have. I know you have uh, seen recently. Now there are a number of ways to to uh, to give aid to student athletes and whatnot in college. You know, you 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 can earn. You know, academic aid. You can earn. Obviously, scholarships are, are huge. You could have nowadays NIL when they, when everything was came down. You had other avenues in which athletes could could have stipends and dollars. And and uh, I think in the last week or so, we learned about the what UND is calling the seven hundred one awards. Uh, uh, but uh, it's the Alston Awards, and this was another avenue in which, through an academic avenue, uh, be able to uh, to to uh, distribute. Uh, dollars equally because it's I think still in a, like under a Title IX umbrella uh, to athletes, and this is separate, I believe, from the cost of a you know cost of attendance, all that things that, that athletes are given, and uh, the coaches will be able to allot these dollars uh, based on a criteria academically, and I think even that is is subject. You know, some institutions' criteria for that might be lower than others. Meaning, maybe Derek, your college, you have a uh, a a three. Point oh is the is the area in which you do that. Others, it's uh, you know two whatever. So Bill, we'll talk about that a little bit and, and how that works, and we'll get to him. John Amsey, our dear friend and one of the great talents and a Hall of Famer. Uh, I guess we can say it now because when he was actively the bear for the Utah Jazz, anonymity was pretty important, obviously for John. Uh, but now he's past that, and now we could say yes, he's the Hall of Fame, Utah. Jazz Bear, who was... So they weren't like Tony Stark where you knew he was Iron Man, huh? It was more like Clark Kent. He, <laughs> he was a... Clark Kent. John would tell yeah. me sometimes, I know that he and Malone and those guys were all friends eventually, but I think early on that like Carl would walk by his office and they, nobody realized that that's the bear. He is you the know, that's the guy. That's uh, funny. John speaking at a uh, at a TEDx uh, event here tomorrow. Uh, one of those speakers anyway. And Greg Tavine, uh, Greg, who's just couldn't be more proud of Greg and, and how he has 
developed in his life. I knew Greg as, as Brent's little brother back in the day. Brent was our clubhouse guy. Right? But Greg has really uh, flourished uh, being a mover and a shaker in, in the region. And uh, it's Greg's uh, spearheaded the Fargo TEDx nice. uh, thing. So Greg is going to join us with John today on that. Speaking of another John, uh, today I woke up. It's a personally, it's a great. It was a great day for me because my daughters were born on this day. Oh, happy birthday, yeah, Kevin! Sam, Sam. In fact, yes. Sam, I just I just called now. She's in Hawaii, so my guess is must be on a break. But it's five hours in a different it's about time. seven in the morning. So there. our times don't. Yeah, it's a wake up call. <laughs> our, our, yeah, she must be. She drives an hour up the shore. Uh, for that, but anyway, so I, it was just a, you know it's a beautiful day. The kids are born. Derek, you've known the girls all their lives. Yeah. Uh, Brad for many of their lives, so it's it's kind of neat when your kids have a birthday. You know, you become a father, and that's I remember, poor poor Josh Buckholtz, JB, when the kids were born on this day twenty five years ago. The Red Hawks were at Madison oh, playing wow. the Black Wolf, and I was telling his story. So Maury and I were sent to drive to Madison, but here I am holding babes. So Man. we had to baptize. So Josh Buckholtz, who now is obviously a higher up in the AA organization, but but Josh had to go do the broadcast. On the t- Derek, oh, you yeah. might even a bit now. Nah, you probably no, we probably Bob was, Roman uh, by that time. I was on radio hiatus. That's right that year. Okay. So the uh, yeah, I was uh, I was taking one of my many sabbaticals from radio, not by my choice at the time. Right, right. Right. I think I was working. Yeah, I'd have been I'd have been working cross tone. Yeah. those days. I was uh, and young into radio. Well, I mean, a few years deep. Brad, where were you? Ninety eight. See, ninety eight. I just graduated, so I was working. Yeah, yeah, you were I was young. working nights. Uh, nights. I was deliver- I was going from convenience store to convenience store throughout South Dakota and some part of Minnesota, rotating movies for Take Two Express. There was, oh. there was these things called VHS players. Yeah, and, and, oh. and yeah. Had, that takes me back. They had uh, yeah, and and you'd rent movies and then you'd yeah. rotate Remember the that? movies. Yeah, that was actually a pretty good job. You'd put and then if you didn't want to record over your VHS thing, you record you flip the little plastic yeah. switch and knock but these that are, out. Yeah, these were like. Those? Yeah, a lot of Air Force One. I remember rotating a lot. Anyway, so yeah. we sent Josh uh, baptized by fire. hadn't hadn't done any radio. Certainly oh didn't have done any play by play. So Josh went to Madison uh, to call the Red Hawk series with Maury. And one thing about Warner Park in Madison, Wisconsin, kind of a, you know wood press box there, a little dusty. Visiting radios on the far right side of the press box, and uh, the only problem can't see right field. So that is. That. Uh, <laughs> So, all I could think about is I'm in the hospital with the girls. They're little hours old, you know, and you know, whatever. And I'm sitting there listening to the broadcast thinking, I'm so sorry, Josh. You know, it's a, first of all, it's just, but he was he did a swimming uh, great job. So that, that was a quarter good. century old, really? No. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So Josh did fantastic in the game, but yeah, you couldn't, the tree overhang, and there's people, you couldn't <laughs> see. You'd have to take, you'd have to go, to, oh. here's a swung on by Anderson, hit high in the air to right, and you'd hear, and he got it. Because you'd look at the outfielder, the umpire, right. all that. But uh, John Deet, then I found out this morning, uh, and, it, and it, it travels so fast, that uh, that John Dietrich, who is the – I've talked to so many people already that have interviewed and wanted words or quotes or stories. I just say, like, he is the core. He was the core. He was the – the, the the strength, I mean, when you're starting a new team, and yes, Gene Allen, Bruce Thome, and that group, Dan right. Gladden was part of that initial group, uh, you know, you're hiring, you had to hire somebody that could inject instant credibility and here's how we do it. And now, who is that? You know, who 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 can do that? John Dietrich can, because he is self, self-titled a baseball gypsy. And he and Lois, and they, they had done it a dozen times over, and John's story 
you know, when he graduated from SIU back in the day, pre uh, Southern Illinois, Chicago guy. Right. If you've ever been around John, very proud of being from Chicago. The, um, you know, when you're looking for a job in the business, do you want to do play by play and all that and realize that whatever is avenue? He sent letters out to so many teams, minor league baseball teams, major league baseball teams. How do I get a job? And this was what we did because he didn't have what we have today. And, and a couple certainly came back, and one of them was Bobby Bregan. And Bobby Bregan, for those that don't know or haven't seen the movie 42, he's the one that wanted to be traded because he didn't want to play with Jackie Robinson and this. And then, of course, he flipped that script totally right. around and became a very big advocate. Bobby eventually was a minor league manager for one guy named Maury Wills in the Dodgers organization. There's a big story. But Bobby Bregan responded to John Dietrich. He said, next time you're in Texas, I think he was, in the, he was heading up the Texas League at that time. Give me a, give me a shout. And what did John do? Got in that car, drove from Illinois, zipped down to Fort Worth just immediately. And it's it's an interesting story because I think Bobby, he got a hold of Bobby and there was an event going on, you know, a wedding anniversary or a birthday party. And Bobby Bregan said, well, why don't you stop by next week? He goes, well, I'm in town now. Brought him over to his house. John ended up staying overnight in Bobby Bregan's house as this kid right out of college. And the rest is history. Bobby hired him. He started working for him and thus began John's career that took him over 12 or 14 different teams. He has headed up AAA, AA, A ball, rookie ball, independent ball as a GM. He is a, he is a true to the core. Uh, just one of the, one of the upstarts that, that, uh, that is, that has helped so many people out and we lost him, Derek and, yeah. and Brad and, and uh, you know, John's in a better place today. Obviously, we all I like to. I certainly firmly believe that, and I know that, that being in the wheelchair the last several years of his life, I visited him not long ago in Arizona. Uh, he learned to adapt to that life. Um, but yeah, yeah. So uh, condolences to Lois, his family, his his children, and and uh, that that's a, that's a loss. Well, and I think you know the perfect guy for what Bruce Thome and the Red Hawks, what you know, mid states that needed to get this thing going. Right, he knew how to do it. He understood the balance between baseball and what is around promotion. League. I mean, yes. he knew the balance of that, and, and for the most part, try to let the guys in the field, you know, do what they could. There's a little brush up in '97. They got that figured out, right? right, <laughs> but, right. But, but you know what I mean. And right. It was just one of these things where I, I think about him when I think of John Dietrich. I think about. Oh, we got a day game. I don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> right, and so he right. cut like half the staff. He just thought it wouldn't be as busy. And then the walk-up was ridiculous, and they were short-staffed. Yep. And so after the game, he took a pie in the face saying, I, I, I underestimated what you guys are going to do. Because that first year, I mean, yep. it, it was the hottest ticket in town. It was, I mean, it was the place, and, yes. And, uh, and so I, th- I think about him, his leadership. And like you said – he was the general manager. Lois should have been the assistant general manager because, I mean, I don't know how he would have done any of what he did. I mean, they were a true team when it came to so much of that. Yep. And I think about a lot of it. He's very, just a good guy and perfect for what the Red Hawks needed to get things going. Yep. And then when he was done, he was ready to move on. You know, that's and that's right. just how he was. And even down in Arizona, he was helping out down yeah. there in the Cactus League doing things too. It was in too, his so. blood and a true baseball man. You know, probably is not going to be recognized as much in the the world of baseball the way he should. But I think of the, in the world of independent minor league baseball, no doubt, I, yep. I live in le- just a legend of what he was able to do. But and it, Red Hawks baseball is not what they are without him. That's but, a, well said. But a Dave Kolpak, because Bruce Thome was the general, which yep. is stuck. Doug Simonick was what the skipper, skipper. or the chief, yeah, yeah. and John Dietrich was the genius. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. He had the ideas going on, and yep. and he had a way of doing things because he had done it before. You know, and, and everybody that was there that was working and, and you know, obviously gave me 
my job gave me the job as the voice of the Red Hawks. It was, it was, I'm not, that's it, plain and simple. I'm not here today doing what I've been doing for many years without John Dietrich. And it, it, I'm forever grateful for John. And I've told him that before, and I'm glad I've been able to tell him that over the years before he passed. Um, a little more time for that, too. Uh, well put. John Absey, Greg Tavine, uh, Fargo TEDx Talk, number of speakers. We'll find out what that is all about, uh, who, the, who was there. I know John is one of them. We'll do that next on 740 The Fan. I wish I had audio or at least a, like a secret uh, time when, when, when a guy named John would come over to the scores table at the Fargo Dome circa what, Brad, 1992, maybe, 90, somewhere in that well, area? I got, you and I were swapping fever stories. Yeah, we you know, were so doing some 92, good. 92, 93, and something I'd, like that? I'd be on the PA, the Fargo Dome, the, the voice of the fear of the Fargo Dome, the ones we didn't do radio for, and, and this guy would lean over and, uh, and I'd say, ah, what are you going to do? And then that voice would say, you just ad-lib it and just follow me. <laughs> and then I'm like, where is Thermo or whatever? And then here comes this guy flying down a sled on the thing and tumbling out of the floor. And the crowd is just igniting and going crazy and nuts. And the fans loved it. And the players loved it. And the announcer loved it. And everybody loved it. And then he lost his job by doing it because uh, for some odd reason it apparently didn't fit in that area. Then got a job someplace else. Oh, yeah, Sioux Falls, that's right. And then became a Hall of Famer. And that's, uh, that's I don't know if that's the TEDx talk that John Amsey is going to give, but there's an inspiration in there, baby. And he is an incredible human being. And I, we're glad to call him a friend. And John joins us along with another incredible human being named Greg Tavine, who, as I said earlier, is really a mover and a shaker in, in this area. John, how are you, my friend? Holy hell, Jack, I love you. you, you I just want to, like, take you around with me, and every time I get introduced to somebody, I want you to do that. I, I, I tell you, whatever it pays, I'll take it. I don't care if it's, like, the, the eggs you bought me for breakfast in Salt Lake not long ago. I don't know how many years that way. If that's it, yeah, I, I'm your guy. That's uh, that's right. It's great to hear your voice. Greg Tavine, on, it's so such technology. You know, we couldn't do this 30 years ago. I looked at Brad going, I only see one light. Do we have Greg in there? Oh, yeah. They're all connected up over there. I'm like, oh, that's good. Greg, can you hear me okay? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Good to be in touch. Uh, we're going to talk TEDx, and that, that is tomorrow. John, John, you, you made me ch- uh, chuckle last night. I'm like, John, did I see you're giving a TEDx talk, which is fantastic? And your, your response made me giggle. He goes, I don't know what I'm going to say because I was a mime for 25 years. I couldn't speak for being a mascot. So uh, let's let's start with uh, maybe even start with Greg on this. Uh, Greg can set the platform of the TEDx event in Fargo tomorrow. Then we'll come back to John on this. But Greg, give, give us some parameters of, of the event tomorrow. Yeah, a lot of folks are familiar with TED. It's been a global conference for a long time, committed to ideas worth spreading. About 12 years ago, TED gave their brand to community organizers like me to create TEDx independently organized events. So we've been doing TEDx Fargo since 2012. Uh, we are sold out. We'll be at the Fargo Civic Center in downtown Fargo tomorrow. We got about 25 plus speakers, performers. It's a day of ideas. It's a day of experiences, and it's just so fun uh, to show off our community to folks from around the world. How, how, and Greg, explain the, the the gamut in which those avenues of life, those various speakers, have come from. Or don't we don't we have time for all that, Greg? Because it is so wide. 
Well, I'll just be quick. You know, we got a guy driving in from Beaver Creek, Michigan right now. He's he's a Danish man that is takes reclaimed materials and he puts together world-class trolls. So there's people that spend their summers on troll hunts wow. around Europe and he's bringing the idea to North America. Uh, there's folks like Amber, who uh, is from a native uh, Native nation, who's doing financial technology payments for folks on reservations. It's Alyssa Adams from West Acres Mall. Uh, just this morning, I met Will, uh, the executive producer of the HBO hit show Euphoria. Uh, Regina just got in town off the train from San Francisco, and there's a made-for-TV movie about her life and. It's just incredible to just have a wide variety of folks that some are well known. Uh, some like John have been asked not to speak for 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> and yet became a Hall of Famer doing it, by the way. I will uh, I will say that. John, your story, your life, your, your beautiful bride, your beautiful girls, your, your family that has grown. And, and for those that haven't been fortunate enough to, to know you and your path, uh, without giving out full TEDx talk stuff here. John, just get us up to speed. At, at what point did your life take a turn into the profession that you chose and uh, that, that sustained for so long with all those injuries that were involved? Just give us a little background, Johnny. I, uh, that, okay, explain that again. <laughs> give us give us that, that background, John, that, that genesis of, of you uh, where you, you know, you're looking for that path in life uh, and where it turned, you know, I mentioned the fever story, Brad and I in studio here, we're talking about the fever and then Sioux Falls and then Utah, but uh, take it, take us through this. Give us a little background, John, for those that don't know. So first off, when you were talking, when, when, when you were introducing me, dude, I, I looked at Greg and I told him, you know, what you were saying is I said, no, really, I used to lean in and I'd say, you know, Hey, just kind of follow along and ad lib. And I said, Jack was the best. I said half the time I didn't even know what the hell I was going to do, but then it was I was leading. I was like following you because you were just guiding the story. And here I was so following you. you. Here I thought I was following you. Well, see, that's how it works, right? <laughs> but you were the you were amazing. You are amazing. That was awesome. Thank you. But no, I mean, it, I, and honest to God, I you know, um, coming from you know East Van Forest, Minnesota, ending up in Utah, um, the amazing people that I've been able to meet. Um, it, it's been, uh, it's been a journey and, uh, I, I've just been really, really fortunate, Jack, because of people like you and people like Greg, like who remembered sure. Thermo, you know, I've been able to, uh, I've been able to make some really, really great relationships. And, and if anything, you know, even with the whole career coming out of being a mascot in the hall of fame, all that stuff, the best part about the character is about the relationships that I've been able to make over 25 years. You have been in schools. You have, uh, you know, it's not just during the NBA season that you performed and entertained people. Uh, it, it really ran almost throughout the entire year, did it not, John? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, because we were doing um, roughly three hundred appearances a year. Uh, I had a fight to do charity work, but when I finally did, you know, out of those three hundred ninety-eight to ninety-nine percent of them was charity hmm. uh, because I was just so, you know committed to give back because I was so fortunate to have the job that I had. You know what I mean, Jack? It's, right. You know, it's a job that literally 24 people in the world, in the world have. And I, I was just fortunate to be one of them and uh, fortunate to work with, you know, my mentors were the Philadelphia fanatic, the San Diego chicken and the Phoenix gorilla. So those were the powerhouses. Yeah. And now of course it didn't take long before the bear was added uh, to that. 
And I was trying to tell uh, the guys here, and, and, and Brad certainly remembers you, and and, and, and in that, I said there was probably a time where people, where, where Utah Jazz players would walk by your office and not even recognize who that was in that office, right? Yeah, no, this, no lie. Until I left, there, there was probably 50% of the office staff who didn't know what I did <laughs> because we kept it that quiet. Matter of fact, when I we had really, really good friends that called us and were mad because for years we were friends and they didn't know what I did. Yeah, because you and Sean just didn't you didn't want that out for very obvious reasons. You just you wanted to be you. You were you then, but you know the bear was a whole a different thing. When you look back, and obviously you're you're you keep moving and shaking in different avenues. You talk about charity work and giving back, and and tomorrow, uh, speaking at the TEDx event. Uh, John, would you have changed any of that path that that you took to to be who you became, or at least what the bear became? Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people would be like, no, it was great. Yep, no, I, there's a ton of stuff I had to change. Um, one is you know, and, and just kind of letting you know, I mean, part of my talk is is I do talk about how I mean, granted, the the jazz bear was one of the most successful characters in all of sports, sure. Um, and I, you know, most people would look at that as a success, but at the same time, when I look at it, I, I, I granted succeeded at that point, but I, I failed in, in being a family, you know, with uh, my kids and my wife, sure. you know, it, it, uh, it took so much time away, but that's the one thing I would have much rather been a successful husband, father than a successful mascot. I'd have taken good. Yeah, that hey, well, could <laughs> be a good mascot. Well, I don't know. I think a lot of us that that know you are pretty good, uh, pretty good in that other department, uh, department too, John. It, it's uh, it's amazing to to hear your voice, and, and I know that uh, I brought this up on KFGO earlier, and people were talking about other because John had mentioned there's only a handful of these jobs available in the world, in the world, and and he not only had one but took it to another extreme, and I I. I see. I, I even see those that perform today. I've run into a lot of people that you have impacted uh, in my travels now to the American Association. I've run into the the, uh, the gentleman from Philly. I think I, I sent you a picture. Uh, uh, he is performing almost 300 days out of the year, and I'm like, you familiar with John Absey? John Absey! Oh, I saw him. And it's amazing. Are you kind of shocked at how many people you've impacted, John? You, you know, it, it, it really is, because when I got done, I wasn't like I really did. I thought all the stuff that I did over the years at hospitals or at charities that nobody really cared about or forgotten about. And um, it was really actually fun to when I was done, people um, being able to uh, have people come back and say, hey, you know, you showed up at my hospital room when I was eight years old and, you know, he's 25 now. Um, But honestly, when when we sit and talk about the bear and the success of the bear, the, the one thing, Jack, that um, is is interesting or not interesting, but that I really want people to know is that it, it wasn't me. It was such a large group of people mm. and everybody coming into my life at the right time, just like you. Sure. You know, we we came together at the right time, and we did you know we did great, and and it just it was one little catapult after another, and my success was a hundred percent dependent on so many situations and circumstances and the right people coming into my life and such a bunch of cogs and a huge clock. Uh, that is well put. Uh, uh, by the way, Greg, Greg Tavine, who spearheads the, the TEDx event in, in, in Fargo and has 
Uh, Greg, there is no question that, that John, who is so humble, by the way, uh, that the impact that he's already going to have on, on that, that speech, the impact he's already made, this is what this event is about, isn't it, Greg? Well, I'm going to speak for Greg, Jack, because, oh. <laughs> because Greg just literally he got a text from um, Governor Burgum, and he had to run because he's got a quick meeting with him. Oh. So <laughs> um, our, our future or our president yeah, is right. running for president, right? Yeah, and and did, did tell Greg to text uh, Doug and tell him nice job. I think he's got like a his percentages were growing in in uh, New Hampshire. It's all good. We do have someone on the phone. I know we got another guest, but Brad, what do we have today? Uh, somebody wants to speak to John here. Oh, go ahead. You're on with John Absey. You're on the Jack right. Michael Show. Right, Brad, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. You may be the bear out in Utah, but you're always going to be thermal to the ones that remember us from Feverty. 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 Ride down that. You <laughs> rode down that toboggan. It's, I can't believe you didn't break your neck. <laughs> oh, you were the best. And they got mad at you. What happened there, man? You were, we had the best mascot in the CBA. Oh. Oh. You got man, fans, was, John. That was fun while it lasted. John, you got fans. You know that, right? That is awesome. I, I, you know what? The, the fever, those days were so fun because we were all just young and we were all right. learning and it was, it was so much fun. And believe it or not, the fans were amazing. So yeah, that's, yeah, the few, the few that came, but I, uh, well, we yeah, had, that, that was awesome. Man. Yeah. That's great. Did they let you do that in Utah? Right. Did that thing all the way down? Yep. Toboggan you drove? Yep, I took it with me to Utah, but I, I upgraded the sled. Yeah, you a sled, and then your your hoop. You, you, then he started just putting things on fire. Then he was riding motorcycles. I mean, then <laughs> yeah. and the, the, yeah, that's uh, great to hear from the Fever D boys today. That's a blast. You from the you're, you're the you're the best, buddy. Take care. I'm glad to have you in Fargo. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Fever D. Fever D. <laughs> that, that brings you. I bumped into. And I know time is short, and we'll let you get going here. But I did bump into. Uh, speaking of fever, years ago before he passed, uh, I met. I saw Roy Marble in an airport, and uh, Roy was one of the uh, you know standing at Iowa. You know, his, he was going to watch his son play. I think for the Orlando Magic, and I bumped in, and we reminisced about those days. And and you're right, Johnny. It is. Uh, it's a great walk down memory lane. Uh, I don't know if I. And obviously, that gentleman appreciates it. Uh, what we had in John when he was here, uh, just making things happen, and it, it really put a smile on our face. Johnny, don't be a stranger. Say hi to the family, and let's get together in that one corner in Salt Lake and have breakfast again. The big, the one with the big servings. I'm not, I forget the name of it. So, the judge. That's, it was the judge. That's it. That's exactly what it was. Johnny, love you, brother, and uh, and uh, have a great talk. I know you're going to have some fun tomorrow, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Michael, thanks for having me on, and please give your family a hug, and I will talk to you soon. And if I can ever do something for you, let me know. You got that right, buddy. Thanks, John. John Absey. You bet. You bet. John Absey. Uh, you could just tell, Brad, and he just in his soul, he's he's a. you can't be around John without being a little bit moved. You know, that's the kind of guy he is. That's, that's it's good people. Uh, Bill Chafe, same way, athletic director in North Dakota. Uh, first of all, you know, what are the 701 awards, uh, the Alston Awards? Uh, is this something that every school should should uh, should implement into their uh, you know now in the days of NIL and whatnot? And we'll talk about that next with Bill Chaves on right here on Seven Forty The Fan. Second down and ten. Chaves under center, distributes it right side, caught by Anderson inside the seventeen, pushed out of bounds at the thirteen. It'll be first. 
Oh, hold on a second. I got Bill quarterback, and you as like a slot, Brad. I think we're in good shape. Bill Chase, director of athletics, University of North Dakota, joins us today. Hello, sir, Bill. How are you doing today, my friend? Hey, long time no talk. Holy cow, Bubba does not want me under <laughs> You don't think you could evade some of that pass rush and, and, and get the ball out quick enough? I've seen you move. Hey, you know, a little bit, yeah, like an administrator. But at the end of the day, I'm watching, you know, that the quarterback Netflix show, and uh, regardless of all the other stuff that's non-football related, right. what a heck of a position oh. I need to play. I mean, the, the mental acuity that you need, and then the ability, and then just the physical toughness. It, it really is amazing. I uh, Derek Hansen, who's, who was in studio earlier, he is, every day he comes in and Brad and I into the studio, and, and he references the quarterback on Netflix, and I haven't, I purposely haven't started yet, because I know I've got a long road trip coming up for baseball, so I think I'll start it then, so I can invest time into it. So, that's a thumbs up from Bill Chaves on that? Uh, half of Half thumbs up. Half a thumb. Uh, just one, half a thumb because I, the off. I don't. I didn't need much about the off field stuff, which is fine. I mean, yep, other right. people might enjoy that, but I like the on field stuff. I, I like the behind the curtain, right? Uh, prepping for the games, all that kind of stuff. I, I just thought was very well done. It is uh, the reason we brought Bill on, and and, uh, and and because maybe you've seen in the news prop up. Maybe you saw these this, these words, Alston Awards, or maybe you saw the the seven hundred one awards, and know this, that as I said earlier in athletics, there's a number of ways, you know, to scholarship or stipend uh, your student-athletes, whether it be through athletic prowess, certainly there are academic scholarships that are out there, and and Bill, you can kind of give us a genesis of this. I know when, when a ruling came down, and we were, I think a lot of folks are now familiar with NIL, the name, image, and likeness, uh, but explain to us the, the Alston Awards, you know, kind of the platform there, the genesis of that, and then we'll kind of move on from there, I guess. Yeah, no, no worries, Jack. Thanks for thanks for uh, for bringing me on and to discuss this. But yeah, you're right. The two different things were going on simultaneously. In one in one way, student athletes can utilize their name, image, likeness for uh, the ability to you know make make money if they sure. want to run a camp, they want to do some things. That's always been, that was restricted prior to two years ago. So that's a really good thing. What's gotten kind of weird in the country right now, we're kind of using the words NIL uh, in ways that are more pay to play, in my opinion, mm-hmm. than, uh, than actual NIL. Well, the Alston Awards was a Supreme Court ruling, again, two years ago, that you could then provide an additional award to your student athletes, and it was capped at no more than 5980. I have no idea how they got that number. 5980, okay. 5980. And so at the end of the day, last year was the first year you could actually provide these awards. And it's really a back end award, it's not a front end. So if you think front end grant and aid scholarship, if you will, and cost of attendance is more front ended. This is a back end. And for us, what we're doing, and we, we spent the year analyzing what people were doing in the, uh, in the Power Five, uh, mainly the Power Five, um, and how they've uh, approached it. And we, we, we looked at some best practices, and we felt that this was the right thing for the University of North Dakota to potentially to continue to invest in our student-athletes. And, you know, Jack, probably, and you've been in this a long time, right. but let's pretend it was 10 years ago, okay. 10, 12 years ago. There was a time frame where students really did get a chance to go home in the summer and do some things. They really had the opportunity to, to, to maybe make a few dollars. 
I, right now, we are really in a pretty much a 12-month cycle with all of our programs. And the, uh, the ability to, to provide opportunities for our coaches to support our student-athletes was incredibly important. And so that's something that we discussed all last year, and we're in the midst of rolling it out for this upcoming year and then for the years to come. It sounded and it sounds as if North Dakota, the University of North Dakota, was very proactive or at least had some foresight into into this avenue of, of, of stipending uh, student-athletes and, and equally, because I think it still falls under the Title IX umbrella. You can discuss that if you'd like to. But it sounds like North Dakota had, had kind of jumped out, it was very proactive in this bill, Correct. Yeah, so so we're we're utilizing, and I'm I'm using the words pools of dollars for our coaches to utilize in a in in any way they want to. In a sense, they can actually stack. In a sense, give more dollars to uh, current students that maybe are already on full grant and aid, or they can spread. They could potentially give it to a a student that is uh, as a walk on. Or even international students, which international students, that's a whole other story when it comes to name, image, and likeness, because there's an educational visa piece to that. We just felt with our rosters, we, we have a lot of international student athletes, think hockey, right, Canada. Yes. Mal is going to have five Canadians on her basketball team. Yeah. We just felt like this was the right move for us at this stage of the game. And uh, you're right. There, it is, uh, we have to be cognizant to be uh, equitable uh, from a gender standpoint. So the same, so from my chair, Jack, the macro side of it is same pools of dollars are being doled out on the male side and the female side. Each sport has different amounts, and each coach has to then kind of come to us and say, this is how I plan to use it for the upcoming year. Bill Chaves, Director of Athletics, University of North Dakota, joining us today. The uh, the back end versus the front end, and I and, and talked about the um, – and I don't know if this is it a same, uh, say, GPA. And, and judging by North Dakota's GPA, Bill, so what is that line, 3.9? Is that what that is? I mean, UND's GPA is off the charts. Your community, uh, you lead the nation, if I'm not mistaken, North Dakota uh, does. If not, you're at the very top of community service uh, by student-athletes. But is there a, a minimum requirement if it is the, uh, the back-end doling out of these dollars that student-athletes have to achieve? I'll ask it that way. Maintain. Yeah, so yeah, so simple terms, uh, and this probably gets you probably thinking. Uh, Jack Michaels is a student. He goes through the first semester. He comes back, and he's back for his second semester in February. That's when you've earned the actual dollar amount that the coach has, has stipulated to Got you. It. Now, it, it, there's, a, there's a possibility that, that certain athletes will not be a part of this, or they'll be a part of it two out of their four years. Who knows? I mean, it could go a lot of different ways. But you know what? We looked at it. There's a there's a there's uh, something in the NCAA that's called academic progress rate, APR. Okay. And so our, our thought process was, hey, if you're if you if you've got the eligibility point and you've got the retention point, then you'll be eligible for the award. It is um, in the remaining moments we have with Bill because is this something that you mentioned you looked at a, at a Power Fives as if not a template at least uh, you looked at that is this something that that many universities will will do or will will not do will do in the near future will never what 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 and I don't want I know you can't speak for every university but is this something that's going to be commonplace uh, bill yeah 
It's a really good question. So, th so we're in three conferences, Jack, right? So at the end of the day, uh, you know, yes, we have our Summit League brethren, but at the end of the day, we also are competing in some instances in the, in the hockey world with FBS schools, whether it be Miami yeah. University or Western Michigan. And certainly more globally, we're, we're battling the Big Ten in, in that particular sport. And so uh, we just felt as we were going through this, this was the most sustainable way to support our student athletes. I, I, I don't. I'm just going to say this. I don't believe what's going on in the NIL world right now. It, it, I just don't believe it. I, 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 I read it. I'm not necessarily. I believe it. Right. And so, at the end of the day, until there's more transparency around certain things, I felt like this was a better approach because one, it's an earned award, and it is surrounding academics. Yeah, it seems like it is built on a rock as opposed to uh, who knows. And and I'm not going to sit here and judge that because I might list today, and we're not going to have time. Whereas, uh, you know, talk to Bill about collective NILs, what colleges are doing. My goodness. We start getting down that road, Bill. We'll be here for a while. And as you said, it, the, the line gets pretty thin and blurry, to tell you the truth. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, we were lucky enough that we, we reallocated some resources to, to help uh, fund this, along with a strategic investment from the institution that we literally had to go through a process to, uh, to, to provide these dollars initially. But our fundraisers are out there. We're, we're talking to donors right now. They actually really love the concept because there's an academic piece to it and there's a retention piece to it. Yeah. So when you're talking about the world of the portal that we're in, especially the five sports that, uh, you know, obviously got, I guess, unleashed, not having a year in residency uh, requirement, uh, this provides an opportunity for us, hey, to reward some folks that are doing it right in the classroom, have to do it right in the community, have to be a good citizen, and then ultimately you're still at the University of North Dakota. Seven award, uh, award. I have my 701 hat I still wear uh, quite a bit uh, now, but you're right. Yeah, they remain there. They, they graduate. They turn professional. They, they are representatives of that school, which has helped them along. This has helped them along in that endeavor, and they go out and be productive people. I mean, you're right, Bill. It, it is, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a great foundation uh, and another tool. And as you said, not a recruiting. I, I don't think you'd recall the, call this necessarily, well, maybe it could be. Obviously, if I'm, a, if I'm a student athlete that cares about my education as well as my athletics, and as I commit and stay, and stay through and, 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 and you know, produce, of course that, that, that plays to that. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, it, we'd be crazy to think that there's not a recruiting piece to this and a, and a competitive competition piece to it. We, we, we actually keep score. So at the end yeah. of the day, because we do, uh, we, we would prefer to win more than we lose. And so at the end of the day, um, you know, I think what's interesting about this particular piece is that you can actually provide it to, unlike NIL, international students and to walk-ons as well. It is. And so, so, oh, so coaches have so coaches have to really think through how they're going to manage that roster. Sure. Uh, well, let Bill get going. I read yesterday on a story, and uh, you're familiar when you're your time out in the Pacific Northwest. You and I have had a conversation about the blue turf and various things at Boise State and all the creative different things that they're doing. You saw what I'm, I'm sure you saw their their latest promotion was uh, was we win. You win, and I brought it up yesterday, Brad, on the show. And what they're doing is that if, if uh, fans purchase a limited edition ticket to their opener, Boise State now, against Central Florida, then that ticket, if they win, is good to use for the game against UND. And that's the second game, right? So then their, their concept is here, as long as they win, 
the next game continues to be no charge, that ticket. So in essence, the grand scheme of this is that you literally could have a season ticket for just that one price at the beginning. Now, I hope UND cancels it. With all due respect, I hope that stops after week two. But an interesting promotion. But Boise State does these things, don't they, from time to time? Yeah, that's the golden ticket. Good. Uh, or maybe the blue ticket, I guess. Yeah. But at the end of the day, uh, that's interesting. That, that, is, that is very, very interesting. Well, two of my favorite football announcers will be going at it that day. Bob Beeler I worked with at UMass I'll be back darned. in the day. So, so, you know, I will be uh, with two of my favorite broadcasters Bless your uh, heart. that day. Bless your heart. I can't wait to meet him, by the way, too. And, by the way, you and I, I might, we may have jinxed the Red Sox uh, – Yesterday, so I won't say anything about playing the A's anymore. <laughs> by the way, Bill. Nah, they, they had to lose one. The A's are going to win one every once in a while. If you tell me five out of six, <laughs> yeah. I'm okay with it. I just got to get it done this afternoon on getaway day. That's hey, a- Jack, 40, 45 days, and uh, you're going to be in the Alaris Center calling a game at three o'clock. Let's go, Bill. You ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? You ready to go? We, I, I hope Bubba's ready. I, I, I hope Tommy Schuster's ready. Every, that's what I hope. Every time I turn around, he's getting another commitment from some superstar uh, player. By the way, so that's uh, that's fantastic to see too so that's good bill let's not be strangers let me know when you you're around so we can do a little baseball together too but i know your your world is extremely busy but thanks for laying out some of this information on the uh, 701 award the alston award and uh, kind of made us all uh, understand a little bit better so appreciate that my friend yep really appreciate it have a great rest of your summer you Bye-bye. too bill chaves uh, good man uh, good to talk uh, i got a chance to travel with bill he's just a and brad you've talked with bill a number of times he's really lays things out a nice way and he's he's been everywhere you know east west mm-hmm. midwest he's uh he's, he's good to go i uh, i i like how he put that together because i mean with the nil it, there is there's the athletic piece but there's also the academic yeah. you know community service type of piece in there as well which i think is uh and, and, and it, it makes it worth it. Yeah, and the, and the and he's right in the NIL. I get it. There's some that's like, okay, you're gonna oh, it's crazy. You're gonna do some ads for the, the local maybe car dealership, and we're gonna give you your years. But then that's the innocent side. The other end of that spectrum, <laughs> the, yeah. the dollars are off the charts. And then the collective NILs, Brad, which is which I think is the the massive the massive thing. I mean, you you I mean, yeah, there that that cow. Or horse, or whatever it is that's in the barn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is, that's out of the barn. All that. Uh, Twelve fifty-seven. Uh, stick around. The common man coming up next. My thanks to Greg Tavine from Fargo TEDx. John Absey. I'm uh, going to have a fantastic talk. Great to hear from John uh, today. To Bill Chaves, uh, to Derek, and, and Brad. Uh, uh, say a prayer for the uh, for the Dietrich family uh, losing John Dietrich. He was a pioneer. And, uh, and, uh, and just the, one of the foundations of Red Hawks baseball who passed away uh, this morning. Common Man is coming up. The Red Hawks are back in action tomorrow afternoon at 1230 First Pitch. You can hear that on 1019 Jack FM. Common Man is next on 740 The Fan.